The biggest rugby tournament of the year is coming to a Green King pub near you. Watch all the unmissable action live as Europe's top six battle it out for glory in the Six Nations tournament. In and out, in and out, for the line! Leave your rivalries at the door and get the team together to watch the Six Nations. Feel the excitement and the buzz of coming together to enjoy matchday food and drink at your nearest Green King sports pub. Scores in the corner! The Six Nations and Green King. 18 plus, drinkaware.co.uk. Hi, it's Alfie here, the presenter of The Ruck. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to tell you about Funding Circle. And to do that, British and Irish Lions, Saracens and England hooker Jamie George is alongside me. How are you, Jamie? All good, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's good to have you with us uh, for The Ruck. Now, Funding Circle backs small and medium UK businesses with simple, competitive business finance. And Jamie is a Funding Circle ambassador because, Jamie, not only are you day-to-day a professional athlete, but you're also a business owner as well. Yeah, yeah. I uh, set up a business with a good school friend of mine about six years ago called Carter and George. Um, we're a physio business that effectively tries to deliver the same level of elite care that I get as a professional sportsman to the general public. So the link between physiotherapy and strength and conditioning and rehabilitation, etc. I've been looking for a physio. so I know a good place. I'll get your card after. Funding Circle has supported over 90,000 British businesses with £12 billion in finance since 2010. So, Jamie, simply, how have Funding Circle helped you? Well, obviously, they've got an amazing um, financial product. So um, our most recent venture is, is trying to grow the business as quickly as we can. We've got five clinics now and we're looking to push on. And obviously, we wouldn't have been able to do that without the help of a funding circle and um, the financial support that they were able to give us. So if you're looking to overcome challenges or push your business forward, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how Jamie is growing his business backed by Funding Circle. Hi, everybody. You will have read in the papers the last couple of days about the passing of Hugh McIlvanny, the great uh, sports writer. Indeed, as most uh, authors and most authors of the obit said, the greatest sports writer ever, and I'll buy that. And uh, just thought I'd share with you one um, McIlvanyism. He was reporting on the fight between Buster Douglas and Evander Holyfield. This was just after Douglas beat uh, Mike Tyson, previously almost unbeatable. But in the time between the Holyfield fight and uh, in the time between the Tyson fight and the Holyfield fight, Buster Douglas had gone on the burgers and the drink in a massive way. When he entered the ring, he was a completely different um, body shape than he had been when he beat Tyson. This was Hugh McIlvanny. Seeing such a blubbery leviathan coming towards him, Holyfield must have wondered whether he should be throwing punches or firing harpoons. That was one of uh, that was one of the, one from m- millions of memorable lines from McIlvanny. Welcome to the Ruck, everybody, in what is in many ways the most exciting week of the season. It's Six Nations uh, preview week and um, the whole game and indeed people from far outside rugby tend to to get um, dragged in by it. Uh, We've got a fantastic panel to discuss the Six Nations today. Uh, My my lads ask me why, when I'm introducing uh, our our honourable guests on the Ruck, why I always take the piss out of them. And uh, my lad said, well, why don't you say what you really think about them? I said, God, I couldn't do that or they'll never come back on. But in the spirit of that, I'm going to say what I really think about them this week. My three, my three guests and then 
we'll be having a special guest because Peter O'Reilly's going to join us from our downtown Dublin studios. But in the studio first, we've got Nick Kane of the Rugby Paper uh, d- doing a fantastic job uh, on the Rugby Paper because he's given uh, he and his colleagues have given rugby uh, a full-time, um, enduring um, new organ, and it's most welcome. And uh, Nick, the conscience of rugby is always safe in his hands because if you try and um, get away with abandoning promotion and relegation or if you depower the scrum, uh, Nick will be there uh, fiercely defending the the game and good luck to him. People say it's old school. No, it isn't. It's retaining rugby where it always used to be and why it's as great as it's become. Uh, Adam Hathaway... Uh, the Fleet Street Powerhouse. There's no um, hint of uh, irony there. Uh, this man, at a moment's notice, can whiz from uh, Red Top, uh, that's the uh, uh, extreme end of the tabloid market, uh, Red Top style. Uh, he can switch into mid-market style, into broadsheet style, from non-rugby paper to rugby paper. And I tell you something, it really is a gift. And that's why he's written for almost every paper in Fleet Street, as it used to be called. Any any still left, Adam? No, I've talked them all off now. Uh, Observer? Yep, everyone. OK, Morningstar? Is that technically a Fleet Street paper? Do well, we count that? I suppose so. I don't know. I'm, well, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's a big omission from you. I'm but let's get on to them. OK, give, give them a shout. But uh, seriously, uh, Miss, Mr Fleet Street here. Um, and also Stuart Barnes. Uh, Stuart was and remains, for me, the best summariser on television. I think Stuart is still the best man in boiling down a game and telling you what you've seen or what you might see and interpreting what you have seen. And uh, uh, I think it's a great gift. Also, uh, five columns a week um, in uh, the the, the, uh, Sunday Times, The Times and Sky Sports website. Now, five columns a week from Barnsley. Some might say that's too much, uh, but uh, can you have too much of a good thing? Well, in his case, if it's red wine... No. <laughs> I think I'll go back to take the piss out of everybody next week. But um, treasure your friends, boys and girls out there and all our, uh, those people um, tuning in. I lost one of my dearest yesterday, and I'd like to dedicate the wreck today to Michael O'Flaherty and his, and his memory. And it's time to talk about Six Nations, and we're going to go to Peter O'Reilly, who's in Dublin. Peter O'Reilly, our Irish rugby correspondent, but much more important, the father of Lucy O'Reilly, who was recently uh, described by cricket commentators on Sky as one of the outstanding bowling prospects in the women's game. And that's true. You think I'm joking, don't you? But it's true. Uh, Pete, how's it going and how's the um, atmosphere building there? Is it just everyone expecting Ireland to win and uh, trying to keep the uh, enthusiasm back? I'm surprised you you went in on a, on a cricket angle there, Steve, to be honest given hmm. the pretty wretched performance of the England cricket team over the weekend. I can't, I can't speak for what the English do on the foot, on the, on the boarding field. <laughs> we, um, we're expecting something slightly more substantial from the, the English rugby team. Yeah, there is, there is a big excitement. Um, I'm just looking at the, the sports headlines here, and um, the Irish Times are talking about ticket prices hitting a record high for, the, for Ireland's home games against England and France. Uh, you can pay up to 115 euro for the England game at the weekend, um, but we reckon that they could probably fill the Aviva twice. Such as the is the interest and the the anticipation. Uh, I don't think to answer your, your question. I don't, despite um, the talk of, of back-to-back Grand Slams. Um, 
I think anybody who's watched Ireland closely over the last few years under under Joe Schmidt um, is that um, you know is, is overly optimistic given that um, Ireland tend not to start series of games particularly strongly even under Schmidt it may be something to do with uh, his being such a prescriptive coach um, that it takes the players a while um, to get into his system again having come from the provinces so they, they actually they were pretty ropey in Paris last year and, and required Johnny Sexton to get them out of jail they lost in Edinburgh the previous year first up and they drew it home to Wales the previous year as far as you know, Pete, uh, the, the, the first team is all fit to play. Are there any doubts? Or is anyone there whose, Ill, whose fitness they're hiding? Um, no, well, certainly nothing has got out. Um, it's a team, 23 almost picks itself. Um, there's a, a little bit of a uncertainty as to whether uh, he goes with Bundy at key or Robbie Henshaw at 12. But the feeling is obviously that he wouldn't lose much either way there. Uh, uh, the big selection call is at seven now that Dan Levy is out of the picture um, and Sean O'Brien is back in the picture um, but with uh, albeit with very little rugby so it looks more likely to be a, a Josh van der Fleer to start and maybe Sean O'Brien to come off the bench but then again you could argue given the nature of the uh, opposition given England's physicality that he might like a look at O'Brien um, you know who's shown before that he come back, can come back into the furnace of Six Nations even without uh, very much rugby under his belt. Funny, uh, just the guys in the studio that Peter's talking there about possibly leaving out uh, Josh van der Fleer, who was absolutely, I thought, unbelievable against the All Blacks. Stuart Henshaw or Bundyaki for you as an international midfield man? I, 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 I am. I think when we get to Japan, I'd be saying Robbie Henshaw to you. I think he's got a little bit more to his offload game, and he sees a bit more as an inside centre. Um, but I think Aki went well in the autumn and I think Henshaw hasn't got the amount of game time. And, you know, I, I think Smith is a, a coach who is not radical in, in in trying anything off the cuff too much. And I think in selection as well, we'll see the similar. And, and I think we'll see O'Brien coming off the bench because he doesn't have huge game time. And I think... You know, he'll stick with people who were good enough to beat the All Blacks and he'll go uh, Aki to start. And I think Henshaw will be um, in the firing line later on. Peter, um, the last time the, the your, uh, Ireland came out, uh, they played the All Blacks. And in, in my opinion, one of the greatest performances I've seen by, by, a, by a home nations, uh, uh, sorry, by one of the Six Nations teams mm-hmm. or one of the Five Nations teams. Is there any sort of anxiety in, in, in your head that, blimey, how, how could it ever go so well again? Yeah, well, previous generations, not 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 really, to be honest, because um, this is a different uh, a different sort of psychology that the current generation has. You know, previous generations of Irish players struggled with the concept of backing up the odd good performance with another good performance, whereas uh, Ireland under Schmidt suddenly is it, it, they're more machine-like and and consistency is everything. Um, and the only time really that performances have tended to dip, to dip, as I said earlier on, was maybe at, at, at the beginning of a tournament. Um, so people of, of my age get nervous when, when people start talking about uh, Ireland winning back-to-back Grand Slams and winning World Cups, just because that's not in our DNA. But it, it, um, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, present a problem for this group of players because they have such high expectations of themselves. And I think, I'm sorry, I was going to say, because of the way Smith coaches them, that stripped-back style that 
you've been talking about, Pete, it makes it harder for them to actually come out and play a really bad game because they can make errors, but they won't lose their shape. And I think that's what makes Ireland such a formidable team. And, and the question, Steve, you know, Irish people saying, can it get any better from New Zealand? Smith will tell them it'll have to because that was beating New Zealand at the end of New Zealand's year at home. Ireland want to win the World Cup. So if they don't get better from that game... They are not going to be world champions. They have to improve. Can I just can I just ask you, Nick? Um, sorry to interrupt you. That um, um, some time ago, um, three or four years ago, I think Pete will correct me if I'm wrong. Ireland decided they were going to stop not having any props, and uh, they, they've suddenly come through and they they had a, a proper program. And now suddenly, if you compare them with England, Ireland have got two outstanding quality loose heads. Mm. On the tight head, they got Furlong, they got Porter, they got, they got they got they mm. got Ryan. Yep. And um, England are really scrabbling. Dan Cole's out the team, etc. Isn't that something England should have done? And do, do you think that's one of Ireland's most powerful areas there? I do. I, they give nothing away at the scrum at all. And the quality of the ball that they get that with best strike, which is very, very quick, the quality of the ball that they get is tremendous. So they've got a, a, a huge attacking weapon in the scrum. Um, I'm very interested to... Uh, here, Peter, um, uh, playing down Ireland as everybody else's raging favourites. Um, I, what I'd like to ask, Peter, is um, is do you think they'll win the title? Because uh, by the by the way you're talking, you think that they won't. Ah, uh, no, I'm not. I'm I'm just I'm saying I'm a little, little bit nervous because of uh, you know the, because I lived through the 1980s and the 70s and the 90s. Yeah. That's all. It's just it it feels unnatural for me to be talking about back-to-back Grand Slams, Nick, that's all. Uh, And I make the point that this group of players and this generation don't think that way. I do think Ireland um, are justifiable favourites and I do think that they'll win the title. If they win the Grand Slam, that means um, it means going to Wales, uh, going to Cardiff on the final weekend and and everybody still being in reasonable shape. If I was to point to a potential weakness it's also a strength in the team it's the reliance on the spine Ireland tend to have very influential players in very influential positions and if you for example if you'd gone along to watch Rob Carney play for Leinster last Friday against the Scarlets you would have worried for Ireland because the backup to Rob Carney is a little bit flimsy in terms of experience it's it's Jordan Larmer and then probably Will Addison seeing as Andrew Carney's out of the mix at the moment um the, the form of Rory Best, who's now 36 and a half, is, I think is going to be a theme uh, throughout the lead-up to the World Cup because if he has a bad day with his darts, immediately people will start to talk about him. And Conor Murray got a bang playing against Exeter in a game that was test match-like. You know, It was similar in terms of the intens- intensity. So his fitness and Johnny Sexton's fitness um, is something that we'll be keeping an eye on. Um, but if... Um, if key players, I know every every team is vulnerable to losing key players, but um, those guys, Carney, Sexton, Murray, Best, are all, um, you know, they're all 30 or, or well over 30, um, and that's that's a potential uh, issue for them. Yeah, Adam, moment, can I just ask Adam, um, uh, is, is this game an about turn, Adam, for all the years where basically England have gone there with what has been seen to be, often with justification, the, the better rugby team, but actually Ireland have, have, have relied on devil and uh, in the old days, you know, forward power and the Moskeen element, as it used to be called. Is it now an about turn because it's England who are fighting against all the odds? <clears throat> yeah, well, I was looking at the um, bookmakers' odds last night for this game and... 
one price jumped out at me, which was England as seventy-two, three to one, seventy-two to win on Saturday, which I thought was a um, too big a price. I mean, they, I, I still think Ireland will win, but England aren't three to one chances to win the game. And speaking to Eddie Jones the last couple of weeks, he's obviously going to try and um, just smash him. Pete, uh, you've been involved in some of the tough years, as you, as you said. Um, I don't want to frighten you and make you anxious or anything like that, but uh, is this potentially, or, fact, or is it already, the best uh, island team on which, win or lose on Saturday, on which you have reported? Yes, yes, so, you know, unquestionably. And it's, you know, they're coached by the best coach that, that they've ever been coached by, So, um, and they've got the depth now to handle, a few, you know, we've... Ireland have got a few injury issues um, in the back five. Ty Byrne, no, no Ian Henderson at the moment. Uh, Jack Conan, no Jack, he's, he's not around at the moment. But they, um, they still have uh, the depth. You mentioned the front row replacements earlier on. They have depth pretty much across the board. Um, and they have leaders. Um, they have leaders uh, in those key positions. Um, and they have a quiet leader in, in Rory Best, who's incredibly influential and a very positive influence. But they also have the, the O'Mahonys, the Murrays, the Sextons, and, and these guys um, who can not only carry out a game plan to the, uh, to the detail that Schmidt is looking for, um, but they also, ex- as I say, they have high expectations of themselves. And they will be respectful of England because they know that England will come with a sort of a siege mentality. Um, and they'll come as underdogs. But whereas traditionally Ireland were uncomfortable in that role of favourites, they just aren't anymore. And um, that's kind of wonderful from an Irish perspective. And also, if it's uh, if it's pretty close within uh, with last twenty, you would expect that um, the Irish bench would would take them to victory if they'd not already won it, because there's some heck of strength there, especially up, especially up front. Yeah. Well, there's you know there's a there's a there's a bit of a, uh, a, I suppose, um, a section of the media who are already kind of talking about Sean Cronin as a as a starter. Um, his his line-out throwing is is a bit questionable. But what he offers off the bench is is exceptional. Uh, he's shown that for Leinster. Um, you've got a you've got a, a British and Irish line backing up at loose head, um, and you've got a, a star of the last Lions tour probably coming off the bench in O'Brien. So yeah, that that's a that's a strength for them. Um, the backup for for Conor Murray is a little bit uh, light, but John Cooney's performance off the bench for Ulster in Leicester was a bit of a comfort for Schmidt also. And then Larmer has that same sort of quality that Cronin brings that he can open up in a, a defence from anywhere when the game is, is loosened up a bit. So. Yes, um, I would say probably a stronger bench for Ireland. Can I just ask you finally, uh, Peter? Um, presumably, uh, the 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 over optimistic there, which who, they exist in every country, are expecting some sort of crushing victory. But would you think that um, uh, the coach and the captain and the team and and in fact the observers like yourself would uh, would take a one point victory? They would, of course, yeah. They, they would, of course, because they know the physicality that uh, England are going to bring. If it doesn't, uh, if it doesn't uh, cause defeat for Ireland on Saturday, it could cause them problems for the duration of the tournament. Just that physicality, especially in midfield. If it's, you know, if it's uh, um, Teo and Billy Villapola coming off the base of the scrum, um, yes, they would. Uh, they look. They look at it as a, as a game, uh, a victory. And uh, while Ireland's, you know, record Six Nations 
record over against England has been exceptional in the last 10, 12 years. Thereabouts, uh, they know this is a very this is a very dangerous game, and they'll they'll take a win, especially given their tendency to start weakly um, in the Six Nations over the last couple of years. Lads, I feel the Irish are already overconfident that they can't even remember the names of the England team, <laughs> but there we go. Uh, well, they know, at least they know who they're playing Saturday, Steve. Uh, uh, Peter, I hear you've got a big engagement on Friday evening before the match even starts. Is that true? Yes, yes. The, the literati are out in force um, yeah. in, um, in Hodges' figures on Dawson Street uh, and a few rugby fans as well, I'd wager. Yeah, and uh, you'll be talking about what? Yes, we're there to talk... Uh, about um, Sketches from Memory by Stuart Barnes. Uh, I'm looking forward to chatting to, to Stuart about that. Um, <laughs> Should be interesting. Uh, he loves- yeah, one. <laughs> what memory? <laughs> That's the point of it. <laughs> All right, Pete, Pete uh, thanks a million. And we, we'll leave you to your, to your nerves and um, we look forward to seeing you on the weekend. Thanks very yeah, much for joining to us. It, guys. Cheers. Look Cheers. Forward to Cheers, Peter. Okay, now we got rid of the Irish viewpoint. Nice. Yes, I was um, going to say, so Ireland have had it. Yeah, Ireland um, have yeah. Slow start to England and then get rolled over by Scotland at Murrayfield. That's it. They've they, they've gone. Adam, um, let's go straight to, straight to England. Um, yep. Are you as downhearted as you seem? Um, I I don't. I think seven to two. Is, blimey, it does it does seem a lot. Even when you d- d- deduct you at the the people betting with their heads with their hearts. But Adam. Um, are England, got, are England got a fighting chance? Yeah, I think they have. As I said before, I don't think they're a seven-to-two shot. I think Eddie will just go there with the biggest, ugliest team he's got and just try and batter them into submission. I mean, that's what he's always wanted to do. He was talking about it again on um, at the Six Nations launch on uh, Wednesday. How important gain line was. Um, well, let's talk about the, the uglies, the, the second row and back row. I mean, it's, it's crucial there. Uh, we'll come to the other guys at different parts of the team, but who would you choose, or who do you think they will choose? In the second row, well, in the second row and back row, there's three certainties, I think, which is Maritoji, Big Billy Vunapola, and Tom Curry. The other two positions, the second lock and the six, are very difficult. Um, you could pick Cruz for his line-out calling. Launchbury hasn't played a lot of rugby. Or you could pick Courtney Laws. I wouldn't surprise me if they picked... Um, Obviously, Launchbury went off in his last game for Wasps against Leinster. Don't know how serious that is. Um, you could pick Cruz for his line-out expertise, and then it would be be very harsh on Mark Wilson if he didn't play at six after the Because he had he great had. Time. Adam, let me ask you this. Curry, uh, everyone's his name on everybody's lips. Is he really ready for the Six Nations in that sort of furnace as a young teenager? It's all real well being promising, but this is the Six Nations away against the best Irish team ever. Well, he's, well, he's I think he's just 20 now, but he, um, he's he been around a bit. He's played in the South Africa Tour. I know he was injured during the autumn. Um, well, we're going to find out on Saturday, aren't we? I mean, he's, if you want to play a seven, there's not many out there because Underhill's injured. OK, Stuart, Stuart, um, I think it was 2003 when England last had a settled midfield. Yeah, still haven't got one. Where would you Where would you go this weekend for the specific match against Ireland? Where would I go this weekend? Well, you know, it's dictated to by what Jones has done because the autumn was building towards this, which builds from Jones's mind towards the Far East and World Cup. He has to stay now with Farrell at ten. Dias cast there. Uh, and he does want power. Pete was talking about that sort of Eddie Jones dream of 8, 12 and 13. Um, 
I think Tio will play against Ireland. I think he'll want to try and disrupt them there. I cannot see Manu Tuolangi starting. I wouldn't dream of starting him at the moment. He still hasn't done enough. I think right now England go into this game with the balance of two distributors, which is Farrell and Slade, and Teo, who's got a good offloading game but isn't really a passer. He's the one to make the game line his. That will be the balance for England, but you can't anymore say who starts in your midfield. It's, it's more sophisticated than that because Jones has got to think, what do I do at the 50-minute mark? And I think then the key to it is what how he shifts that. And that will be the real telling moment. Will he go to George Ford, shift uh, Farrell to 12 and go to Alangi 13 to keep that two two distributors, one powerhouse? Or will he stick with Farrell and bring two Alangi in? Against Australia, he stuck with Farrell till about the 78th minute and he went for the two big guns. And I think the biggest call of all is what is he going to do to mix it up off the bench? And I don't know the answer to it. I think he might well stick with the powerhouse in the last 10. We're talking about uh, Manu Tulaga. We wanted him back for ages, and he's back. And well, now, I haven't. And, and, OK, okay yeah. well, he, we, we, for his own personal you know, benefit, yeah. we want him back. Are people now, did people now think, well, Manu's back, that's all right. But actually, as you said, he's just not showing any form. Listen, there's two things about Manu Tulaga. For five years now, it's been driving me around the bend. People saying he's got to come back. All he's got to do is run over one person, albeit a loose head prop who's come off the bench for a team and he's a shoo-in for the England team. Then the next week he gets in the England squad, he picks up an injury, he'll be out two weeks, he's out three months. The good news is he has built up a run of matches, so he does seem fit. That's the plus. The negative is the fact he, he's not playing badly but let's not pretend he's the Manu Tuolangi who trod all over the All Blacks no, in 23. He's not. So it's it's no good just saying he's back because he's fit. He's got to be more than that. And I, I think Jones actually has handled the comeback quite well. He's brought him back into the squad. And I think you bring him on with 10 minutes to go and hope he can do something spectacular. You don't start with him. Nick, uh, th- th- let's go up front. Um, obviously, key as always. Um, we've spoken about how good Ireland are. Uh, England have been mucking round. They've had Hartley there almost, um, you know, without even thinking about it. Cole was out of the team, uh, then comes back into the squad. Who would you pick up front? And are you worried that they're still not good enough up front? I think that the uh, the big success story in uh, in the forwards in the autumn was Ben Moon. I thought he was extremely good, and I think that. My inclination would be, and it may sound like sacrilege because uh, of <laughs> Mako's uh, form and his ability in the loose, but I would start with Moon and I would bring Mako off the bench. What do you think it is about Moon that gives him the edge as a starter? You're talking scrummaging. Yeah, his scrummaging, is, he's a very solid scrummager. Didn't see him incapacitated at all in the autumn, and if anything, he was getting the, uh, the edge on most of his opponents. I think he's a very good all-round player. Um, I'd obviously stay with George as as the hooker. And um, uh, Sinclair, who I seem to remember backing uh, strongly when we were in South Africa, um, I would, uh, I'd stick with him on the basis, uh, as the starter, on the basis of what he did um, in the autumn. He didn't actually play particularly well against South Africa in the opening game, but he came on strongly afterwards. and. Uh, I think that this thing of England having carriers in, you know, in in multi positions in the pack is very, very important, particularly against Ireland. Sinclair's quite a big lad. 
um, he's improving as a scrummager, may not quite be at the top level. Do you think that is an open invitation to Ireland, to the likes of Healy and Best, who are artful, to target him on the loose head, on the English, uh, on, on, the, on tight the tight head, head, on the English put-in? I do. I do. I, you know, I mean, I think that, that that's obviously the game. That's what happens in, 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 in every game. And, um, you know, this is, the, this is in many ways the acid test for Sinclair because there are guys, I mean, as you say, Cole's back. Um, he's, he's solid. He's not uh, been much, uh, much of an influence around the field for England when he's played over the last, you know, certainly in the last five nations, he was a big disappointment. Oh, I was just going to say, this is um, going to be a real test for Sinclair. I've seen quite a lot of him since the Autumn Internationals playing for Quinns. And he's got into a few scrapes and had a few flare-ups. You just wonder if the Irish will try and wind him up or not. I'm sure they will. Can I just sure say on that, I think this is the essence of the match, Steve, between, on Saturday in Dublin. I hear what Nick is saying about Ben Moon, and I've been sceptical for years about Mako. He's a little bit like the front-row version of Manu. Everyone wants him in because he does do extraordinary things. Um, but I think this is a game where England cannot win because they're probably the second-best team, so they've got to find a way to overcome the Grand Slam winners and the team that beat the All Blacks. And I think they have to take a risk a little bit with Mako, and they've got to hope that he can sort of, by hook or crook, hang on in that front row there. Um, Sinclair has to start, and, and Nick touched on it. I think more important than scrummaging will be the dynamics of the game line. And if you think back to the first 25 minutes against the All Blacks, when Ben Youngs was just picking out forward runners, one off, the All Blacks were being battered. England were putting them under more pressure than even Ireland did. And if they can turn that 25 minutes into 80, then they have a world-class team. But that means picking your runners. It means Mako Vunipola for his mm. offloading game. It means Sinclair for his running game. It means uh, Vunipola back. It means Toje, and I think it probably means Courtney Lorge both with the ball and as a destructive tackler. England win the gain line against Ireland, then Ireland's ability to slow them down and win the breakdown is nullified to a great extent. It means Ben Youngs, who has been dodgy form for two years, is on the front foot. It means Johnny Sexton, who has been imperious, plays on his heels going backwards. Everything about this match is going to be set on that gain line, even more than the scrum. I think England risk it and they go big and they go bold. I, I understand what, what you're saying. In fact, Nick and... Um and uh, Stuart is sort of taking a different position there. Well, I, I understand both of them, but starting with Adam now, there are two other games. We're just going to go through the it, it, massive game, brilliant for the Six Nations. Come on, let's, let's be fair. For the, for the game itself, and brilliant for Dublin hoteliers who are charging about 84 times the, the rack rate. Adam, can, uh, uh, can England win, um, and um, will they win? Um, I don't think they'll win, um, but they can win. Uh, it all depends who Eddie picks. I mean, I think Stuart's right. In he's going to go for these big, ugly boys. He'll probably pick Mike Brown at fullback, anticipating an aerial bombardment. And I'd have Jack Nolan there. And I, th I think they can win, but I don't think they will. If that's sitting on the fence enough for you? No, it's not sitting on the fence. <laughs> Stuart, uh, Nick, I know you won't sit on the fence. Um, England can win. I don't think there's any question about that. They're good enough to uh, to to produce a game uh, to beat Ireland, but all the runes leading into this say that the Irish have got uh, too many too much depth too many areas where they're superior I mean their their tactical kicking game which we haven't really talked about but I mean m assuming that Murray and Sexton are, are, are fit which I'm sure they will be um, you know their ability to put the ball on a sixpence mm. is something that England just do not have 
They don't have that same capacity. Ben Young's box kicking is 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 frankly ordinary. I I, I just add one thing to that, and uh, that was a great debate, lads. But uh, even though it was a risk, I would have played Rob Dan Robson because um, Eddie uh, should have managed it better so that he'd seen him before. I know Robson's been injured a lot. But I think it's worth a gamble because I don't think Ben Youngs is adding an awful lot to the team. And I would have given Robson a go there because you can always play him against Italy. But what does that mean? Well, I'd have picked Wigglesworth for Dublin. Uh, sorry. Well, yeah, uh, Wigglesworth would be my t- and um, Robson would be my two um, uh, scrum halves. OK. That's, uh, See, I was just going to say, interesting that Robson was on the South Africa tour and was holding tackle bags for the whole tour. Didn't yeah, get a look in. Exactly. And that goes for people in a lot of positions. <laughs> 18plusdrinkaware.co.uk Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The Ruck Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Funding Circle and Saracens, British and Irish Lions and England hooker Jamie George is with me to explain how Funding Circle are supporting small and medium-sized UK businesses because Jamie, you, as well as being a rugby player, are also a small business owner. Yeah, I own a business with uh, a good school friend of mine, Reese Carter. It's called Carter and George. We're a physiotherapy business. Uh, We've been up and running for about six years now and sort of our strap line is delivering the same level of care I get as a professional sportsman to the general public. If you're looking to improve different parts of your business or hire talent with extra know-how, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Jamie, you want to do the sign-off for us? Absolutely. Funding Circle, business finance that backs you. Visit fundingcircle.com to find out how I'm growing my business backed by Funding Circle. Lads, before that game takes place, um, we'll all be clustered, uh, sadly, around the TV set in Dublin rather than being in Paris. But um, the reporting uh, priorities this week are are in Dublin for those of us in the studio anyway. But Adam, France, Wales, you're you're a massive Welsh fan. You love going going (laughs) down to the Principality. Uh, I'm surprised you haven't got a holiday home there down there (laughs) that we can set fire to. Got one in Tenby. But but, (laughs) still, it wouldn't allow you at the Tenby. But but you have at least come south of the river today, which you don't normally do to to, to tell us. Um, First of all, everyone says it'll be great if France become France properly. We've been saying that for about 15 years. Any sign of that? 
Well, their last game, well, during the autumn, they lost to um, South Africa and then lost to Fiji at home. So that is the old France, isn't it? I really couldn't tell you who he's going to pick, to be honest. I'd like to see this guy, Denver Bamba, have a go, this young prop who some people say is overhyped, but I thought he was brilliant in the under-20s World Cup. Time to have a go at him. And whether he picks this sort of Bastero, goes down the Bastero route in midfield or not. But he's a funny bloke, Bruno. He always looks like... We saw him at the Six Nations launch on Wednesday. He always seems a bit lost, as if he's not sure where he is. Oh, I don't think he knows where he is when he's coaching France either. <laughs> yeah. He's just—I mean—he's about the least. He, he, actually, the only person I've seen on the be, on the uh, in a senior management position with less uh, body language is is um, Trevor Bayliss, the England <laughs> oh, yeah. who sits there with his hat on. He could be a wax dummy, even when they get yeah. bowled out for seventy-seven. Well, he, well, he looks like Bill and Ben of Flowerpot Men. <laughs> It's, I mean, but Brunel has not shown a shred of emotion or spoken a word of emotion since he coached Italy or France. Uh, Stuart, um, that, I think Adam's put his finger on the key there. Great big Mattia Bastaro. Do you, do you pick the team around him or do you kick him out never to return? Well, they've got so much talent, you know, in their midfield. And I think Bastaro plays a lot better for France than he does for Toulon, but that's not saying much because the coffee mug in front of me could play better for Toulon than he has this season. Um, no, I, I think his time has come now. I mean, it, it's astonishing. If you said to me who's been the best outside centre in Europe uh, club level this season, without a doubt I'd say Vakatawa, who doesn't even get in the French squad. They're still inconsistent, Steve. They've still got players who can cause problems with their size. They've got this brilliant offloading game but everything is still a little bit slow motion. And if if you go Bastero, you're just not putting the pace in the game. And I, I just think if you look at France and you write a sort of strength, weakness, opportunities and threats, your column about uh, weaknesses and threats are still significantly greater than the, the strength and opportunities. And, and you look at players and you think, crikey, they've got a lot of good players. But then you look at elements like, but what's their game plan? And you can't work it out. And you think... What are their fitness levels? And there have been questions about it in Europe. These are big questions. And I think because of that, yes, we'll see bits and pieces of this French offloading game. But I don't think the coaching at uh, club level through to international level gives them the foundations to be serious contenders. They may, like Scotland, beat a big gun, but they will not be challengers for the title. Nick, will the big gun that they beat uh, be Wales? It's always, I mean, when you look back to the game against Ireland last season, which was obviously on a, on a cliff edge with uh, Sexton clinching it with the drop goal, it's always dangerous to underestimate the French um, at home opening game of the Six Nations. But I get the feeling that they're, what their aim is, we keep on using the word big. I mean, France aren't big. They're huge. They're absolutely bloody ginormous. You know, I mean, they've got uh, a, a South African who's qualified on residency, Paul Willemser, who's six seven and twenty stone. They've got Uini Antonio, who's a tight head prop, who's six five and twenty one. But he can play. He can play. He can play a bit, and I think Willemser can play a bit as well. They've got Vahamina, who's six eight and nineteen stone nine. They've got Bamba, who's nineteen and a half stone and six foot one. They got and Buster then, Douglas. And then Buster they've got Douglas. Buster Douglas. Yeah. 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 If I was worse, well, I'd fire a harpoon. harpoon. <laughs> <laughs> 
and then they've got Big Bastero coming at them. So, you know, I mean, they're just a monster side. And they may may think that, um, you know, big is beautiful or is big in their case just ugly and not very good. I think we've all you've all said, you know, they got them individuals, they got certain something, but will they put it together? From, from the Welsh point of view, um, last week I went to listen to Sam Warburton at a Times Plus members evening and Sam was absolutely really incisive. He said, first of all, Wales haven't had the correct um, uh, type and the tr- correct calibre of prop since Gethin Jun- uh, Jenkins and Adam Jones went, and I t- he is totally right there. You compare, for instance, Samson Lee, who's a decent scrimmager, you compare him with Tide Furlong and the, and the work rate. I think Wales's key man in this tournament is Thomas Francis, because he's got to... He's been a young guy, he's now won lots of caps, and he should be really coming through because I don't think they have been good enough in the front row. Another point that Sam made was that Jake Ball, he thinks, is absolutely key. And I think Jake Ball is a great forward who's massively underrated. I don't know whether he's going to be fit or not. But um, I think that Wales, if they win that game, maybe they're off and running. But I just think there's a, a certain lack of quality in the pack uh, especially without Warburton himself and Toby Falatow, that could cost them. And those monster whales, harpoon whales that Nick just described, if they get themselves together, I think Wales could be in trouble. Uh, Stuart, we'll have a, um, uh, a likely winner from, for, for uh, Friday from you. I think and Wales, why? I, I think Wales, um, I think they have confidence. I think Warren Gatland for two years has been refining a Welsh game that's geared towards the World Cup. But I think we're going to see Wales step up from the autumn. Um, Thomas... Uh, uh, Williams, if he comes in, will do a very good job for Gareth Davis. I think their back line is good. Uh, I, I think uh, Tipperick is an outstanding player. Um, I, you know, you lose leadership with Warburton being out, but I think Alan Wynne-Jones is an outstanding captain, and I think Tipperick's not far short as an open side. I think Wales will be all right. OK, uh, but I mean, again, what a way to start off. Um, and we'll come to uh, away support in a minute. But uh, Nick, uh, we'll just have a word from each of you. Uh, who do you fancy? Um, my concern is with the Welsh back row. You've just, you know, obviously mentioned Warburton gone and mm. uh, <coughs> and Falatau. I, I'm, I'm worried about the balance that he gets there. Um, so you go in France? I, I, I think that Wales will beat them because I think that Wales will run them, and I think they'll run them off their feet. Stuart? I've given the reasons, I think. What, I think you have? Wales, Wales. I'm going for Wales as well. Um, what are they, nine on the, nine on the bounce, I think. Um, Gatlin, for some reason, doesn't get the credit he deserves as a coach. He's done a fantastic job there, Emma the Lions. I'd like to see Thomas Young given a run out as well, though. Yeah, Thomas Young, I think I think, I think think he was being... There's been picking... There's lots of reasons not to pick him. I think they've run out of reasons, yeah, Adam. Exactly. I think he's. I think he's, he's a tremendous player. I just like to think that France are going to play well this time. I really do, because... I think it just kicks the whole kickstarts the whole thing. Um, we're going to come on to um, uh, the the big one now between Scotland and uh, Italy. Traditionally, uh, Stuart, this has been the, the uh, wooden spoon mm. shootout, but not this year. Well, well, not this year, really. You wouldn't have thought. Now, Scotland, as we said last week with Mark Palmer here, they're always improving, but they never quite get to the critical mass point. Are they going to do it this year? No, I don't think so because I don't think they've found their. Uh, front five, we could, you know, we talked about what England did to the All Blacks for half an hour. I can't see Scotland finding that sort of game plan, and I don't think, good as their back three is, 
without an incisive gain line plan, you end up getting a little bit lateral. Uh, and, and, and Finn Russell can get lateral. So I think Scotland have got a little bit of issue with the shape of their game. Gregor undoubtedly has been working on a type five that are playing a more dynamic driving game. But you look at the likes of Johnny Gray and you compare him with some of the other top top class second rows and you just think he makes his tackles, he looks great on the stats book, but he doesn't quite have the impact at the highest level. He's a bloody good player, but he's not quite an Etoje, he's not an Alan Wynne Jones, he's not a Var Mahina. Um so I have my, my doubts about Scotland. My other big doubt is I think, you know, we've been talking about Englishmen and Welshmen missing. If there's one guy missing who will hurt as much as anyone, I'd put two sevens. I'd say Underhill for England is a huge blow because of his ability. And I would say Hamish Watson, who is outstanding mm. for Edinburgh mm. and is outstanding for Scotland, his absence will be huge. He was brilliant in the win against England. Uh, and John Hardy, who has been out for a long time, has to come back at a real old rattle. I think the loss of Watson will hurt them hugely. And I also think that. Uh, Gregor Laidlaw um, is a very good player, but he, he's brains and he's the boot. I think Scotland are better when Ali Price plays because they're able to play at pace. And if you haven't got a front five who are, are really monstrous and dynamic, you, you've got to accelerate your game. And I think Price is better starting and Laidlaw coming off the yeah, bench. Any, anyone who saw the recent Saracens Glasgow yeah, game, where when Glasgow were in the ascendant, my he goodness, was good, he yeah. was quick, rapid, absolutely rapid. Uh, and, and and very clever. Nick, um, um, just have a word about Scotland and then uh, also then give us your frustration that Italy is still not really getting up to the levels. Yeah, I mean, Scotland, I I, th- I, I don't feel as pessimistic about the Scottish pack as, uh, as, as Stuart does. I think that McAnally, Stuart McAnally is one yeah. of the, what, you know, I mean, his, stu- his, his play for Edinburgh. World's best soccer for me yeah, at the moment. He's a terrific player. And uh, I think the acquisition of Skinner, who they uh, they may well put at blind. Is that Mickey Skinner? <laughs> <laughs> That's Frank. Sa- Sam Skinner. Sam Skinner. <laughs> Sam Skinner, Sam Skinner yeah. who they may well put at blindside. Um, gives them, you know, gives them more ballast than they've than they've had, and more carrying ability. So I, I'm, I, I agree about the loss of Watson, although I think he is still in the squad, isn't he? Yeah. Um, so he may, you know, he may come back for the Ireland game or, or, or and, after. And it and Italy are still not as good as they were the first year they came into the Six Nations. No, I mean, look, with Kieran Crowley at uh, Benetton, they 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 are improving, but um, they're still not. Uh, able to uh, to to really get over the line on a regular basis. They'll 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 get these occasional uh, wins, but um, at the moment they just and all their players are now back in Italy, or pretty well all of their players are now back in Italy. So you know Conor O'Shea has got them presumably where he wants them, um, but I just don't think that they have the uh, the, the the power and the cohesion. Uh, all round to, uh, to 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 crack it. Adam, can you see Italy winning a game? And if so, any where? game? No, yeah. I can't see them winning anything this year. Um, although the improved form of Benetton does uh, give them a bit of hope. Obviously, Connor was talking about that in the week at. Not uh, exactly Real Madrid, though, is it? No, yeah. no, no, the Hurlingham. But uh, I can't see them winning a game this year. Okay. Um, and, and, it, no. I mean, Stuart, is there anything? I mean, Luca Marisi, we know is. No fit and good player. Uh, Michele Camper Niaro has suddenly started playing well for Was. Does that give him something? I mean, Camper Niaro is playing solid Premiership rugby. Let's think of what Eddie Jones says about club rugby. He he doesn't 
weigh any. He doesn't give any uh, importance to it whatsoever. I, I, I feel Italy have gone backwards, and I think it's a it's a big year for Connor because it's true that Kieran Crowley's done a damn good job at Benetton, and some of these Italian players are playing better a regular basis in Pro 14 rugby. And, you know, people will look at it in Italy and say, well, we've got to translate this club form. They will, they'll ignore Eddie Jones and say, we've got to translate club form into country mm. form. And if they can't do that, they're saying, why are we just drifting backwards? And they are going backwards. And whilst Italy just keep losing games and they hang around sort of mid-teens in world rankings, the debate about should the Six Nations have a promotion-relegation battle at the end of the year must be sustained. Yeah. must be sustained until Italy can start really flexing their muscle and scaring teams. Nick, last word on the on that. Um, uh, you always want the, the entry door open in the Premiership. Do you want promotion and relegation? And should the likes of Georgia, if they win all their games... Well, a playoff, Steve. Uh, so a, I meant a playoff, play, yeah, not automatic. Yeah. Maybe home and away yeah, playoff. Definitely, definitely. It needs to be a meritocracy. You know, I mean, I know that Italy bring in more bucks and so on and so forth, but it's got to be a meritocratic system. There's not enough of it in rugby. It needs to be a meritocracy, no question. And uh, incidentally, I mean, the, the, the lack of progress that they make. Alessandro Zani, who's been a great uh, back row forward for Italy, is still in the squad. I think he's probably, he's not quite as old as Rory Best, but he's, he's, he's getting on for it. Paledri's out of the squad with injury, which is a big, uh, a big minus for them. But are there not young flankers coming through in, in, in Italy? Obviously it not. would appear, appear not. Just, just two more quick points before we, uh, we call it a day. For me, one of the great things the Six Nations has lost by being compressed, but also by the avaricious swines who were running the airlines, the taxi firms, the hotels, is that the number of visiting supporters, which used to make it, has been slashed and slashed and slashed. Maybe when the France came to Cardiff, there'd be 20,000 French supporters. There was once when Graham Henry coached Wales at Scotland, 40,000 Welsh people went, only 30,000 saw. Adam, we were talking earlier about the unbelievable rip-off it is, or, or at least the cost of going to support your team. Have we, is it a rip-off and have we lost something? Um, it's absolutely bonkers. I don't, I don't know how any of these people afford it. Um, I, when I knew I was coming on here, I had a quick look at uh, some hotel websites yesterday for the for Cardiff hotels for the um, Wales England match on the twenty third of February. One very well known hotel chain will give you a room in Central Cardiff for one night for one person for one thousand pounds, which is absolutely bonkers. Very nice of them, do, do, Stuart. When when you when you played, there was surely there was more atmosphere and there was more contra feeling in in, in the stands grey atmosphere on the bench Steve <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah no there, there was and I tell you you could sense it but uh, you, were, you were a visiting supporter when you played well sometimes I wasn't much of a supporter <laughs> um, you would you'd, you'd, you'd travel to an away ground and you could sense it I mean I, I, I didn't have happy times on the field in Ireland but the white shirts there, you knew it was happening, and and you could you could sense it, and it was fantastic to go to Paris. Uh, it, it it was an incredible atmosphere, and obviously, you know, for twenty five years since I've been uh, travelling as a as a journalist, and you have seen the numbers decrease. And you know, I'd say for most of the Six Nations history, I have said, always thought the Six Nations is a much better event off the field than on it because of the crack, because of the party. Mm-hmm so much better but it was it was the tri-nations as it was that where all the great rugby was i would mm. say this year mm. we are at tipping point 
and the quality of the Six Nations and the competitive nature suggests that actually it's going to be better on the field than off it for perhaps the first time in its yeah, history. Yeah. So that uh, all the fans go in, drink a lot and make a lot of noise because there's going to be a hell of a lot to see and it's a shame that avaricious touts and hoteliers are stopping the fans. And uh, bonkers uh, railways, railways as well, meaning you can't get back from places like Cardiff. Oh, well, that's great Western. Nick, uh, we'll just have a final word on this for you. You must must been great for you when you went to Twickenham uh, for the old games against Wales and the ground was full of Welsh screaming Welsh nutters <laughs> making hell. You must have thought, this is great for rugby. Yeah, that was just you in the bench. <laughs> <laughs> it is a sad thing, but anyone who is travelling, good for you and have a lovely time and avoid uh, avoid the biggest rip-offs. It is, as Stuart says, I think it's going to be a fantastic tournament on the field which we haven't always had. So everybody out there in uh, in Ruckland, um, Twitterland and Rugbyland, everyone watching on TV, especially everyone going to the game, have a lovely time. We're now going to come finally to the nomination of our god or goddess of the week. Uh, it's not been a, that a busy week. We had that um, brilliant um, Premiership uh, Cup competition this week, which I thought was fantastic. Um, um, there was something in the rugby paper two weeks ago which some um, gripey old fool was panning <laughs> it like mad. In fact, he's in the studio. Adam Hathaway, God or Goddess of the Week? There's, I'm only going one place this week, and you'll like this one, Steve. My God of the Week is Chris Robshaw, right. who um, came back on Saturday in the brilliant Premiership Cup fixture against Saracens after a knee surgery. He hadn't played since the start of October. Um, played pretty well as well. Lasted 80 minutes, got a couple of turnovers, a couple of line-out steals. Um, and even better, came to talk to us afterwards knowing that we were going to ask him about England. Right. So he is my hero of the week. Excellent. So the god of the week is a one bloke who played one game. <laughs> OK, thank you. Stuart? It has to be Andy Munn. You say Andy Munn is a Sky Sports production manager. Andy Munn lives in Stratford. He's got to go to Barnet today. But because some absolute pillock left his laptop in the Sky production <laughs> truck at Madeshka Stadium yesterday, <clears throat> Andy came out of his way to Chiswick to give me my laptop back and make sure I was here on time for this programme. So Andy Munn, what a hero. He's my God of the Week. Two strong contenders. Nick, God of the Week. My God of the Week is uh, Phil Keith Roach, who battles on against uh, great adversity, having had uh, a... a a very tough year in every respect uh, with the passing of his wife and uh, in, and significant health problems. So I would say Phil Keith Roach, one of the great scrum gurus of the game. OK, and um, mine um, on a, a round ball note, actually, because I went to uh, report on Middlesbrough, Newport County on um, um, Saturday at the, the Riverside Stadium, right under the Transporter Bridge in Middlesbrough, and my mate, uh, Mickey Adams from Newport, I've not seen for about 20 years, came up and said, Hello, Jonesy. He said, We've effing Adam and we'll effing beat them down at Randy Parade as well, he said. Anyway, and he said, By the way, he said, When are you coming home? As if I'd gone away to college 40, 35 years ago. Anyway, Mickey was my God of the Week, but um, the three good ones there, I think purely for trying and for supporting him through thick and thin. Uh, Hathaway's uh, Chris Robshaw <laughs> Chris Robshaw should be the god of the week thanks so much everybody for listening we'll be back next week we'll be having a full review of the first round of the women's six nations starts 
This Friday, Ireland play England at Donnybrook at five o'clock. What a fantastic game that'll be. Uh, I don't think Ireland will be giving England any easy passage. Scotland against Italy is on uh, Friday evening at Scotstoun, 7.35. And on Saturday at the Altrad Stadium in Montpellier, France play Wales. Uh, really difficult for Wales against probably the favourites. So Women's Six Nations will be reviewing all that next week. Thanks for joining us today. Keep downloading us. Keep listening to us. Thanks for listening to The Ruck Podcast. We're delighted to be teaming up with Funding Circle. Funding Circle has been supporting small businesses with access to the finance they need to grow since 2010. They know that like rugby, running a business takes hard work, drive and a good team supporting you. And they're working with England and Saracens hooker Jamie George to help him build his business. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how Jamie is growing his business backed by Funding Circle. If you want to invest in your business and take your team to the next level, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Funding Circle. Business finance that backs you. Six nations and six amazing chances to win an unforgettable adventure for you and five mates in a Six Nations European host city of your choice. To take part, enter online now at greenking.co.uk slash rugby. Six nations, six mates and six international rugby getaways worth £3,000. Scrum down and sign up to win at greenking.co.uk slash rugby and watch all the Six Nations action live at your local Green King pub. Terms and conditions apply. 18 plus drinkaware.co.uk. Okay.